Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Representatives from the group New American Economy participated Tuesday in a National Day of Action and marked the launch of their Map the Impact project, highlighting the economic impact of immigrants and calling for immigration reform. This comes as the Trump administration is unveiling rules aimed at tougher enforcement of immigration laws. According to NPR News, it's a policy shift that puts millions of people in the U.S. illegally at risk of deportation. And we want to know what you think. Do you agree with those new rules? Uh, do you want to see the current immigration system reformed? And if so, what does an improved immigration system look like? Would slowing illegal immigration and or increasing deportation of undocumented immigrants help or hurt the economy? What about rule of law, crime, and security? What about humanitarian concerns? You can reach us right now to uh, 800-826-1495, toll-free number 800-826-1495, or by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We bring in uh, studio Tim Wilwright, who's a shareholder at Durham, Jones, and Pinnaker, and uh, he is Immigration Reform Task Force sh- uh, Chair at the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to the program. Good morning. I should say welcome back to the program. We've we've had you on before. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you uh, for being with us. We also uh, welcome on the telephone Amy Winder-Newton, who is a Salt Lake County Councilwoman. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Let me start with you, uh, Mr. Wheelwright. Uh, Tell us uh, New American Economy. Tell us a little bit about the group. So the New American Economy is an organization that was formed uh, several years ago by Mayor Michael Bloomberg when he was the mayor of New York City. Um, he spearheaded it, but it was a collection of uh, uh, mayors from across the, uh, the United States, uh, large cities, but actually of all sizes, um, working together with uh, CEOs of major corporations, all that were united in a concern for uh, immigration policy and, and feeling that it, it was best to try and find common ground on this emotional issue and uh, felt that probably the most um, uh, or the least emotional way to approach this would be to focus on the economic benefits of immigration. And so it has become an important clearinghouse for um, a number of studies on the economic benefits and the economic impact of immigration, uh, both across the country as well as in certain regions and in certain sectors, and and has just been a, a great voice for common sense immigration reform. Amy Winder Newton, why why did you uh, want to participate in this uh, this day of action? You know, being on the county council, we see a lot of community issues that are impacted by people who may be living in fear of um, deportation or, or other issues. An example specifically I can think of is in our school system. You know, we have some of our schools, and in, in my council district in particular, where parents may be here um, undocumented and afraid to go to parent-teacher conferences or to engage with with the school system. And because of that, that harms the children here in our community. And so um, I think it's important that we do have immigration reform. We've got to figure out a way to uh, attract those who are going to benefit our economy by starting new businesses or um, you know, giving, participating in research or different things here in the United States. We also need to look at those who are here and figuring out how do we find out who they are and, and figure out where we go from here. Uh, so I want to uh, follow up with that. This, this is, uh, there are a lot of disagreements between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. There's, there's a lot of whiplash, but maybe no, 
a greater issue on on, on this than immigration. Um, and and so as you reference, that's it's got to affect the I, I guess the mood, the emotions, the the state of the immigrant community, especially illegal immigrant community. What what are you uh, hearing? And maybe you follow up with uh, uh, more anecdotes that you're hearing. Well, there is definitely fear here um, among those who are, even some who are here legally and maybe here temporarily. And and so, you know, we're looking at ways that we can help with that as far as um, dissipating those those anxieties and the fear. Um, you know, we have children sometimes in, in the schools now that are, are being bullied or that have had comments made to them. And, and there is a general um, lack of concern among this community as far as what's going to happen in the future. But what, what we love is that there is a group like the New American Economy who is a group of leaders, business leaders, uh, political leaders, and other community and religious leaders who are getting together and being able to send a message to our congressional delegation that we need to do something. This is a, this is a chance for America to finally have some good immigration reform. We've got to figure out what works, what's going to be best for our country, and recognize the benefits that we receive as a country from new Americans. Tim Wilwright, you uh, you practice immigration law, right? You I do. work with yeah. uh, with, with immigra- uh, immigrants. Um, w- I expect that you're seeing a change in the at least the emotions of the clients coming in. Yeah, it's 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 a palpable, um, obvious change in, in how they're feeling. And uh, if nothing else, and we see it in the volume of calls, we see it the desperate in the desperation that they express when they call the, the 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 utter fear that they have. And you know, I th- in fact I think that um, certainly the policies um, have have turned up the the threat of enforcement, and we are starting to see. Uh, the the administration actually follow through. You know, really all that has happened this past week has been um, uh, the instructions have been given to the field, the marching instructions for what they're to do, and those have been very well publicized. and And we're now starting to see it trickle down to the to the field offices, and and we're and these stories are starting to trickle in of of uh, these marching orders actually starting to be carried out, and. Um, but it, it, there's an interesting byproduct of that, and that is to create this tremendous um, discomfort and uncertainty that I think you know the undocumented population has always had. You know, I don't I don't think you can avoid that in their circumstance, but um, it has become even more, perhaps even you could say unbearable, mm-hmm. which I think is part of the, I think that's part of the approach. I think mm-hmm. that's the, the the desired objective, to make people uncomfortable. Uh, you could get into the whole concept of self-deportation, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, the government doesn't do anything to, to, to physically deport the person, but, but uh, because of the policies, they make the situation so untenable and so uncomfortable for people that they just say, we're going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could uh, outline your understanding of the, the – there, there have been uh, you know, memos uh, circling yeah. the Department of Homeland Security uh, giving marching orders to the to the field offices. Yeah. One of those, my understanding is that it, it has uh, changed the rule under the Obama administration. It was if you uh, were convicted of a serious crime, then then you'd be subject to deportation. Limited there, 
uh, Trump administration is expanding that. Yeah. So I think the key difference uh, between the two administrations, um, both were operating under the same set of laws. We've not had a major change in immigration law for several years. So um, uh, the, the Obama administration's approach was to truly prioritize uh, deportations and 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 they said that look if you're involved with something that is a threat to our national security if you are uh, involved in criminal activity uh, and committing serious crimes then you're going to be a top priority for us to to remove you from the United States and the statistics bear out that he was the deporter in chief um, it'll be interesting to see at the end of, of the Trump administration, you know, how those numbers compare. But certainly um, Obama and his predecessors, when compared to his predecessors, has been um, uh, he, he, he deported a lot of people. So the, the laws have not changed. And, and what, what has changed is that uh, the Trump administration has basically taken all of the possible avenues for deporting people and has said all of these are fair game. Mm-hmm. All of these are a possibility, and, and, and we're going to target anyone who is deportable from the United States. And um, now yet to be seen, they're, they're going to have to prioritize that somehow because they don't have unlimited resources, both in terms of money and time and people. And so they're going to, there's going to have to be some level of prioritization, but at this point in the executive order that came out on January 25th, the, um, uh, the, the implementing memo that came out on Monday, um, the, they leave you with the feeling that everything and anything is fair game, including, you know, one thing that I think is fair to say is a, de- a, a major departure from what we've seen in the past. Uh, they've said that not only if somebody's been convicted of a crime, but if they have been charged with a crime, which even that's, I guess, somewhat understandable, but then they go one step further and they say, if we are aware of facts or circumstances that would constitute the essential elements of a crime, we will take action against you. Hmm. Let's go to a caller. Uh, David uh, joins us. Uh, David, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Why, thank you. Uh, Good morning. Uh, so I uh, have a little bit of background. I spent two and a half years in Central America as a Peace Corps volunteer doing development work. And I saw uh, the conditions that, that caused people to leave these countries, and I saw the effects of the emigration on the countries. Uh, so I think, I think there are kind of three issues, and maybe you've already spoken to them. One is that uh, legal and illegal immigration are, are different issues that often get conflated by both sides, I think, for their political ends. Uh, secondly, that uh, we need to talk about why these folks are leaving their countries, uh, because if we can work to, to improve conditions for them, they wouldn't have to leave. And thirdly, uh, just for example, I was at a restaurant in the area, and, and there were a lot of Trump supporters there, and all I heard coming from the restaurant was, uh, Spanish. So uh, if, if you're going to, to the, the laws apply to everybody. So if you're going to crack down on illegal immigration, then we also need to be fair and crack down on business, so businesses who are illegally hiring people. It's not fair for somebody who's just trying to live a better life for themselves and their family 
be punished while businesses are engaging in unfair business practices. Uh, David, thank you for that. Appreciate that. We'll, we'll, address, we'll address those. We have not addressed those uh, yet, so thank you for... Okay, well, thank you. You all have a good day. Good discussion points. That's David. He had uh, um, experience in, um, in, in the Peace Corps in Central America. Um, so let me turn back to um, Amy Winder Newton, uh, who's the Salt Lake County Councilwoman. Um, and and you, you, this, the group New American Economy focuses on economic issues here. And the numbers, we want to get the numbers out, um, focused on immigration. And so that could include, I suppose, uh, legal immigrants and illegal immigrants. What do you think about David's point, that both sides tend to conflate both of those groups? Yeah, I mean, I I think he brings up a valid point, especially when it comes to um, businesses employing those who may or may not legally be here. Um, One of the things that's interesting to note, though, and we heard this uh, in our press conference a few days ago from, from farmers in America who are saying, you know, we've got some occupations that we cannot get people to, that people aren't willing to do, um, specifically in agriculture. And so, um, you know, whether we, there's some sort of a program where there's a guest worker program or something where, where businesses can legally um, hire some of these people from other countries to come in and help with their industry, I think that's a real possibility. I think what's not, what hasn't been happening that needs to happen is right now there's no plan. I mean, we have, we've, we've not had good, strong border security. We haven't had, we don't know who's here and why. And there's got to be a plan to be able to um, recognize, we, A, we need to recognize the benefit that new Americans, immigrants, and um, many people from other countries bring to our country economically. But we also need to come up with some good policy so that it, it makes sense and, and people don't have to live in fear and we can take care of the things that we need to and grow as a country. I mean, we're now competing worldwide with other countries. And I think we're crazy to bring people here from, from another country to get their Ph.D. And then we send them back home and tell them, oh, I'm sorry, you know, your, your visa's expired. You've got to head back to your country. And now you know, those are people we want to keep here. And so I think there's, there's got to be some good policy that can address those things that, that David talked about. Uh, Tim Wilwright, um, uh uh, Amy's just talking about, um, you know, professionals and, and uh, people with skills. What, what do the numbers tell us? President Trump, candidate Trump, famously began his campaign talking, uh, you know, implying that Mexico doesn't send us our, their best. They're sending us criminals and rapists. And, yeah. Well, you know, something that I, th- I find very interesting, and I, 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 this is a good opportunity to say how, how honored I am to be on this program with, with Amy, um, who has just been very articulate. I met her for the first time the other day, and I think she's done a wonderful job of articulating many of these issues. One thing that I would just point out about border security, uh, the problem is, in my opinion, that we've been, we've been focused almost too much on border security. Now, believe me, I, I, I want secure borders, and those are, are certainly important. We devote more resources than any other law enforcement to protecting our borders, and um, that has been the, the sum total of immigration policy over the last few years. It's been this, this exclusive focus on, on border security. Um, what I think people don't realize is that uh, um, there, there's pressure that is put on our, our borders 
because of a dysfunctional legal immigration system. Um, we do not have, a, uh, we have a system that's antiquated. It was largely set up in the 1960s. The numbers that we are, uh, the numbers of visas, both for uh, lower skilled as well as uh, professionals, those were set in the early 1990s. When you realize and, and you consider how much our economy has changed in that period of time, how much the uh, the nature of, of our industry has changed, um, we just simply are falling further and further behind because, as Amy has pointed out, we are not having the hard discussions about what our policy should be. What should the proper balance be? I'll give you a, a great example of, of this. In a, in a little over a month, I know that there will be uh, probably several students from Utah State University that will, uh, from other countries who have been here on student visas and that are preparing to go out into the workforce. Um, their prospective employers are going to be uh, preparing and filing H-1B visa petitions for them. That's the most common uh, visa for uh, uh, foreign professionals. Um, if this year, if, or excuse me, if the last two years are any indication of what to expect for approximately 85,000 visas that are made available every year, you, the U.S. government will receive approximately 236,000 petitions. Mm. So companies have about a one in three, maybe a one in four chance of actually being able to claim one of these visas. And that is placing a heavy strain and, and burden on, on, on high-tech employers who, whether we like it or not, they simply are not able to find enough qualified U.S. workers to help them in their in their research and development, whatever they're trying to do. So we have, we have this outdated immigration system that, that uh, and as, as Amy pointed out, here we are, we're competing globally for talent. And, and if we don't fix this, I'm convinced that we're just going to fall further and further behind. This, it's very important that we be able to attract the best and the brightest and be able to bring them in and, 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 and utilize their talents to, to improve our economy. Let's take well, a, and it, you, uh, yes, go you ahead. talk about numbers, too. Did you know 40% of Fortune 500 companies were founded by immigrants or their children? And we've found immigrants are twice as likely to start a new business than a native-born citizen. So, I mean, there, there are definitely some entrepreneurship and, and relationship there with American jobs and the economy. Um, we've got, in 2014, America's foreign-born population owned close to 3 million businesses generating over $65 billion in business income. So there's definitely a reason why we need to look at this issue and make sure that we are having the strongest economy possible here in the United States. You know, I've always said um, what it takes for someone to get off their couch or to get out of their comfort zone and not just leave their house, but leave their country to go to another country, to pursue an opportunity, whether it's legally or whether it's illegally. That takes a set of skills. It takes an attitude. It takes a determination that I think is precisely what we are looking for. That's what America was built on, was that determination, that grit, that, that dissatisfaction with status quo and saying, I want to improve my lot in life. And, and, and we see that. Those, those statistics that Amy shared, 
bear out that the act of immigration really is an it's an entrepreneurial act. And once they're here, they're not satisfied with just, you know, blending into the, you know, they, they want to make a positive con- contribution. And we see that time and time again with them starting businesses and this entrepreneurial spirit that really continues. Mm-hmm. Amy Winter Newton, before we go to break, I want to, uh, to take this to, to uh, I guess, take this issue writ large. Uh, I wonder if, if, if you think that this is really a global worldview, globalist versus nationalist. In other words, uh, and and you, uh, you you seem to frame it that way on the economy, but uh, you could you could see it that way in culture and and uh, and uh, other other terms as as well. The one view that uh, Mr. Trump uh, uh, espouses is uh, focuses on security. Uh, we need to secure our borders. We need to get uh, the bad people out. Um, and uh, the the other side uh, says we have a global economy. We need to we need to have uh, more porous borders. We need to uh, attract that talent from from outside the U.S. Well, I think there's a way to do both. I mean, we definitely don't want people coming to our country illegally who are going to perpetuate crime. And so that is something that needs to, we, we need to be looking at that. We need to make sure that um, that we aren't attracting drug dealers and, and others who may be a detriment to society here in the United States. We can't afford to, to do that. Um, but what we can't afford to do is to have people here who are going to be great contributors to society. And, and I'd love to share with you a story I had, actually. Um, I know we're going to break, but maybe after, about a Cambodian family that, that lived with us when I was a child and, and kind of the impact that I had, that that had on me from a cultural perspective. Uh, yeah, go ahead and share that right now, and then we'll go to break. Great. Well, when I, when I, was, uh, when I was about six years old, my parents had decided that they were willing to host a Cambodian refugee family. And so we had a grandmother and um, a father and mother, and they had two little girls who came and they lived with us. And I remember getting moved out of my bedroom. I had to share a room with my, my little sister for a little while, and I was sad about that for a minute. But at, they, you know, they slept in one room and, and lived in our home for several weeks as they were integrating into our community. My parents were able to drive them to English classes and help them find jobs. And, um, you know, we even had an opportunity to kind of do a sub for Santa for them for Christmas one year. And what a, what a great experience that was for me as a kid. I mean, to, to be able to see this family who had come from a war-ravaged country, they were just looking for a place to go where they could find peace and be together as a family and be safe. Um, that greatly impacted me. Um, this family, we, we still keep in touch with them, and they decided the cold weather here in Utah was too much, so they ended up moving to California. But um, they have become school teachers. They have become hardworking Americans who are greatly contributing to our, our country and to society. And, you know, being able to see that and, and understand what diversity brings as far as enriching our lives, culturally, religiously, where whatever these, these um, people from other countries bring to us, it is definitely enriching. I love that my kids get a chance to interact with, with kids of other nations. And um, I have a son right now in a dual immersion Chinese program. He's learning Chinese. And I think there's something to be said for not only is there an economic benefit for us to to interact with immigrants, but for us to be able to be culturally enriched by that is is huge. Let's uh, go to break. We are talking with Amy Winder-Newton, Salt Lake uh, County Councilwoman. You heard from her just there. 
and uh, Immigration Reform Task Force Chair at the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce, uh, Tim Wheelwright, who's a shareholder at Durham, Jones, and Pinnegar. And uh, they participated in the New American Economy's Day of Action, which happened on Tuesday. New American Economy uh, is, a, is a group of uh, mayors and uh, what, business leaders. Business and leaders. Uh, who are uh, wanting to focus on the economic impact of immigrants, right? And and uh, they're calling for immigration reform. We're putting out some questions to you. What do you think of the new rules on enforcement of immigration laws put out by the Trump administration? Uh, do you want to see the current immigration system reformed? And if so, uh, what are your suggestions? Would slowing illegal immigration and or increasing deportation of undocumented immigrants help or hurt the economy? What about rule of law, crime, and security? What about humanitarian uh, concerns? When we come back, uh, I want to get to some numbers that you, that you put out uh, on that uh, day of action. The economic impact of immigrants in Utah, and I'm not sure if we can parse those out between legal and illegal immigrants, uh, as uh, David uh, uh, told us we probably ought to do. Um, and we'll also talk about uh, cracking down on businesses. David brought up that point, and we'll have an email from Preston in Logan. We hope to hear from you as well. What do you think? Love to get your perspective on this important issue. UPRAccess at gmail.com is the way to join us by email. UPRAccess at gmail.com. And uh, you can also call us, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. More following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Humanities, empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement. Online at utahhumanities.org. The Chamber Music Society of Logan presents the Morganstern Trio, performing works by Haydn, Zalbert, Bridge, and Ravel, Tuesday, February 28th at 7.30 p.m. in the USU Performance Hall. Information at cmslogan.org. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Paris and other major cities are banning cars from certain areas and in some cases moving toward the pedestrianization of the city center. Why? Geez, maybe it's not the most efficient way to uh, apportion our streets when we're giving 80% of road space to the least efficient mode of transport. The push for car-free zones. That's next time on Here and Now. Join us this morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We are discussing immigration on the program today. Representatives from the group The New American Economy participated Tuesday in a National Day of Action, marked the launch of their Map the Impact project, highlighting the economic impact of immigrants and calling for immigration reform. This comes as the Trump administration is unveiling rules aimed at tougher enforcement of immigration laws. According to NPR News, it's a policy shift that puts millions of people in the U.S. illegally at the risk of deportation. We want to know what you think. Do you agree with those new rules from the Trump administration? Uh, do you want to see immigration reform? If so, uh, what are the principles that you would uh, espouse? To, what would that look like? And uh, what about the economy? What is the economic impact of uh, illegal immigration in the economy? What about the rule of law, crime, and security? Those are the uh, factors that President Trump emphasizes. What about humanitarian concerns? We're talking with Amy Winder Newton, Salt Lake County Councilwoman, and Tim Wheelwright, who's a shareholder at Durham, Jones, and Pinnegar, and Immigration Reform Task Force Chair at the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce. You can comment or ask a question. We hope you'll participate in the program. We'd love to get your perspective at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. Or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Tim Wheelwright, uh, maybe you can give us some numbers. These were put forward in the press conference on, on Tuesday. What What is the economic impact? Of immigrants, and I don't know if the, this is parsed out 
maybe hard, maybe too hard to parse out illegal immigrants versus well, legal. I think there's some interesting numbers that the listeners will probably be interested in hearing. And by the way, you could go to newamericaneconomy.org, and uh, you, not only could you see these statistics for the entire country and individual states, but also for the state of Utah. And, and then within Utah, uh, the, the approach that they took with this most recent campaign was to um, break things down by congressional districts. So you can actually see for the four congressional districts um, how these numbers uh, break down. But for the state of Utah, uh, there's approximately 250,000 uh, immigrants uh, in, in, in the state. Of that number, about 106, almost, uh, yeah, about 106,000 are undocumented. These are just estimates. You know, okay. it's difficult to, to put a fine point on these numbers. But um, so it's about 8.6% of our state's population are, um, are what they call new Americans. And, um, and just a little under half of those would be undocumented. As far as uh, the, the economic uh, impact, um, you know, the, the entire group pays about $1.2 billion in taxes annually uh, in, the st- uh, in the state, and uh, their spending power is about $4 billion. And then you can't, they have broken that down uh, for the undocumented population, and uh, their household income is about $1.4 billion, uh, pay taxes, which I think this is always surprising to people when they hear that uh, undocumented uh, immigrants do, in fact, pay taxes. They buy food, they buy cars, they buy gas, and, and in many cases, um, it's not, it's, they're not always paid uh, under the table with cash. They're, they're on payroll, so they're paying payroll taxes, including Social Security, and it's well documented that the Social Security slush fund uh, is, is quite large for those that, you know, the, the money that's paid in really doesn't, uh, isn't tied to a specific uh, individual. Um, $143 million dollars that are paid in taxes annually by undocumented immigrants in the state of Utah. And their spending power is about $1.3 billion. So we're talking, you know, it's roughly, I think, about 5% of of the Utah workforce are undocumented. And then when you consider that uh, you have high concentrations in construction, hospitality, agriculture, uh, landscaping, um, they... They, they they have such a critical mass of uh, of of workforce uh, within those sectors that um, if we deported all of those people, our food would be more expensive. Our you know going to stay in a in a nice resort would be more expensive. Um, uh, we probably there would probably be a dip a, a significant dip in the construction industry. I mean already you can talk with uh, you know the largest contractors in the state of Utah that that they talk openly about uh, a, a major shortage in in workforce. The other thing that I think is important and and to mention, um, you know I think there's a, a tendency by people to think of immigration. Um, and immigrants in the workforce is kind of this zero-sum game that, well, if we employ one immigrant in, the, in this country, then that means that there's one less U.S. worker that's um, uh, able to work and have a good-paying job. And that's just simply not correct. The reality is that we're all interdependent. And, and in fact, um, it's well-documented by 
you know, economists all across the the political spectrum um, that are that that immigration is great for economic development. Mm. These people create jobs; they don't take jobs away. And and a great example of that is in the high tech industry. I talked earlier about these H one B visas, and if the the statistics say that if those individuals are are have a STEM degree, a science, technology, engineering, or mathematics degree, and they're employed in H-1B, they're creating 2.6 jobs for U.S. workers. Hmm. Amy Winterdoot, I wonder uh, if we'd look at Salt Lake County. Of course, you're a Salt Lake uh, County Councilwoman. If uh, under this scenario, uh, all illegal immigrants are deported from Salt Lake County, what uh, what would be the economic impact, do you think? Well, I can only speculate on that because I don't actually have, you know, numbers to, to back me up. But I, I think there there would be an impact absolutely in, in some of these sectors that we've talked about that um, that Tim mentioned. Hospitality, um, agriculture, definitely. I, I think if you look at, you know, we, we have the University of Utah at, in Salt Lake County. We have many people who come and get degrees from the University of Utah. Um, if we send those highly educated people back to their country and we don't utilize their skill set here, we're missing out. And so I think there's there's things of that nature that we need to be doing, you know, like like Tim mentioned, the H one B, we need to make sure we are having programs where we're welcoming people to stay and utilize those skills that they've learned here and help our economy. You know, we've got uh like the STEM the STEM um shortage is a is a huge issue for us and um, we're going to we're going to be facing by 2018 we'll, America will face a projected shortfall of more than 200,000 advanced degree stem holders and so um, we need these stem graduates to remain in the US Let's go to a couple of emails that we've uh, gotten. Uh, you can email us. We'd love to get your perspective on this important issue. Immigration is what we're talking about. Um, and uh, the email is upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. You could uh, call us. Uh, Toll free number is 800 826 1495. 800 826 1495. And we have uh, with us Amy Winter Newton, Salt Lake County Councilwoman. And Tim Wheelwright, who's shareholder with the Durham Jones and Pinnegar and the Immigration Reform Task Force Chair at Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce. So here is what Preston in Logan says. Thanks for all the work you guys do on UPR. I really appreciate listening to your programming. Thanks for that, Preston. On today's issue about uh, immigration, I have seen some numbers that would indicate deportation of immigrants would negatively affect the economy and have almost no positive effect on job creation and maintenance. Along with those two statistics, I have also seen facts that would indicate that immigrants are less, not more likely to participate in violent crimes and other illegal activities than U.S. nationals. If we are to get a hold of the immigration situation in the United States, we need to streamline the process for illegal immigrants and make it easier for them to come in so that they can work and improve our economy here in the United States. Thanks for the great programs. That's Preston in uh, Logan. So, uh, Tim Wheelwright, I think we've talked about the the first point Preston made the, on the economy. What about um, likelihood, probability of an illegal immigrant um, committing crime? That's a focus of the president, right? He, he, he says there are bad people coming in. We need to protect our country. Talks to me, frames this as a security issue. Yeah. Without a doubt, there are, are dangerous elements among the undocumented population. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, however, 
it is well documented, as Preston has said, and and you you can, I mean, just look at some research out of uh, Brigham Young University. In fact, that says and shows that that uh, uh, cri- crime among immigrants is is much less than the native-born population, and is far below what their what the per, you know the percentage uh, that they the, that they account for within the within the community. So this notion that that we have a lot of undocumented immigrants that are committing crime, uh, the statistics simply don't bear that out. And as somebody who's been practicing immigration law for the last 20 years and and seen, uh, I've seen many undocumented Im- immigrants during that time, um, they are very, actually very respectful of the law and and uh, shy away from getting involved in in uh, criminal activity. In fact, I think it's fair to say that that, that you know, one of the reasons why they are, have been able to stay here for so long is because they do respect the law. They do now. You know, obviously they've broken the law at some point in either coming in or overstaying, and I'm not trying to minimize that. But once here, they have been upstanding members of the community and have tried to be law-abiding and and do what's right. And and uh, it, it's just so interesting because the statistics don't support the rhetoric that we have heard over the last year and a half about all of the bad things about undocumented immigrants. Amy Winter Newton, uh, I wonder if I could have you respond to this part of uh, Preston's email. Uh, he says that uh, if we're to get a hold of the immigration situation in the United States, we need to streamline the process for for immigrants to come in, make it easier for them to come in, so we can work and improve our economy here in the United States. Uh, so d- d- does that mean... Uh, a reformed immigration system should allow for more people, maybe many more people, to, to come in? You know, I think this is all about policy and process, and a streamlined process is definitely warranted. We need to make sure that, that those who are going to be um, contributing here to in the United States should be able to be here and and become citizens even if they would if they so desire. You know, I think it's always interesting that a few bad apples um, kind of create this perception that there's an issue with immigrants, and, and really those few bad apples shouldn't cast a negative shadow on all immigrants. We do have, there are people who come to our country illegally who do break the law, and we need to crack down on that. We need to make sure that we have a safe community for all residents to live in. But that being said, that shouldn't taint it for everyone, because like the research shows, the majority of people coming into our country are not breaking our laws. They want to live here peaceably and they want to contribute. And so um, we definitely need to reform our process. Uh, Tim Mulwright, um you were mentioning uh, in the break um, the, the fact that immigration from Mexico, uh, illegal immigration from Mexico, is, is uh, slowed to a trickle yeah. or... Well, it's almost non-existent. Certainly, um, I'm sure there's still people coming in, but but the net flow from from Mexico has actually been negative for the last two, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. So, um, to this notion that, and, and actually that kind of goes back to something that David had raised earlier, uh, his comment about we need to, you know, be looking at why they're leaving their countries and. 
um, you know, certainly a, a big force that has been pushing uh, undocumented immigration has been the violence in, in Central America, and it has been, and as well as poor economic conditions, and the violence and poor economic conditions in Mexico. And, and anything that can be done to help bolster those economies and to improve the quality of life, I don't think there's any doubt that that's going to to be beneficial and, and, and reduce the push of immigration into the United States. But, but we also need to realize that there's a pull for immigration. We, you know, demographically, we need workers. And, and we, again, it kind of goes back to my comment earlier. Uh, if we get into this zero-sum frame of mind, then we, that's a hard concept to grasp. But the reality is that, that we, we have these, this economy, especially in the state of Utah, that's clipping along at a, at a great rate and has, has uh, you know, survived the, 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 the downturn in 2008, weathered that storm very well. And we're just used to uh, this great economic performance. But it's, it requires that we have enough workers. And when you go and you talk to organizations like the Salt Lake Chamber and their, their members, you talk to the Utah Technology Council and their members, you talk to the Utah Manufacturing Association and, and, and the Utah Restaurant Association, all of these trade associations, the number one issue that their members are bringing to them and demanding that they address is workforce. There are not enough workers. And so this, even the, the idea that we would not be hospitable to immigrants and that we would not create a welcoming environment where, where you know, immigrants from other countries or even from other states would, would want to come here and take advantage of the economic opportunities that are here and help us to continue to have this uh, economic prosperity that we've had really would be um, counterproductive. We, we, there, there's, there's a, 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 a ra- it's rational for us to be taking that approach. Let's take another break when we come back. I uh, want to bring up the Utah Compact. Um, I, I, w- I went back and read that uh, before the program today. Uh, it seemed to me when we were having the debate in Utah, um, what, back in 2010 when this, mm-hmm. this, this came out, uh, the, the Utah Compact seemed like a sort of middle-of-the-road in today's con- uh, con- context, Utah Compact uh, seemed to have moved. I guess uh, Utah Compact stayed the same, but, but the debate has moved hard right, it seems to me. Uh, I'll review the Utah Compact and ask our guests if, if they think that those are the principles that we ought to uh, be looking to as we, as we go forward. And we'll talk more about this and hopefully have your comment as well to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. This is Brian Erickson and Bringing More to Life. Talk to your parents about their driving abilities. Anxiety producing? Absolutely. Ask yourself five questions. Can they find their way home on a familiar road? Have they driven without fender benders, tickets, or scrapes on their car? When you ride with them, do they react appropriately? Are there medical issues that impact strength or cognition? Would you allow young children to ride with them? Be prepared with driving alternatives. Start the conversation now to bring more to their lives. Support for Bringing More to Life on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the Sunshine Terrace Foundation in Logan. Advancing wellness, independence, dignity, and comfort. Information at sunshineterrace.com. 
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We've reached our last segment on immigration. That's our topic today. I'm Tom Williams. Representatives from the group New American Economy participated Tuesday in a National Day of Action to mark the launch of their Map the Impact project, highlighting the impact, uh, economic impact of immigrants, calling for immigration reform. This comes as uh, the Trump administration is unveiling rules aimed at tougher enforcement of immigration laws. According to NPR News, it's a policy shift that puts millions of people in the U.S. illegally at risk of deportation. We want to know what you think. Do you agree with these uh, new rules from the Trump administration? What uh, would a uh, reformed immigration system look like if, uh, if you were able to uh, put that up yourself? Uh, what is the economic impact? And how should we prioritize these things? Uh, economy, rule of law, crime, security, humanitarian concerns. Uh, can we address all of those in an emigra- emigra- a reformed immigration policy? We're talking with Amy Winder Newton, Salt Lake County Councilwoman, and with Tim Wheelwright, shareholder at Durham Jones and Vinegar. And uh, he's uh, the Immigration Reform Task Force Chair with the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce. You can comment, we hope that you will, to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or uh, 800-826-1495. Uh, let me read this from Alec. Alec has emailed us uh, to upraxcess at gmail.com. Alec says, throughout the history of the world, whenever a nation accepts and welcomes immigration, they seem to prosper. The best and the brightest leave their homes and come to the new nation. When the nation starts to focus deeper on nationalism, the best and the brightest start to leave that country because the best and the brightest don't have time for nationalist stupidity. That's what uh, Alec (laughs) says editorially there. Um, Amy Winder-Newton, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's that's great. You know, you talked about the Utah Compact. What a great document that outlines five principles to guide Utah's immigration discussion. it makes good sense. And, and that's, I think, where we are, is we've got to look at a good solution. Um, you know, you talk about the hard right and, and the direction that the Trump administration is taking. Well, you know, I always maintain, I don't know, I'm not in the national security meetings. I don't, I don't know foreign policy. I, who knows? There, there's probably something to be said for having, you know, strong background checks for people coming into the country, making sure that, you know, we don't have terrorist organizations that can infiltrate that system. But we've got to figure out how now that people are here, what are we going to do? Because it does not make sense to deport 12 million people. And so that, to me, as a Republican, I, I feel that that is something that many of us are concerned about and looking towards solutions. Let me uh, just take the, the couple of minutes here to read the Utah Compact uh, to remind people about this. A declaration of five principles to guide Utah's immigration discussion. Many people signed on, including the uh, LDS Church, uh, when it was put out. Uh, first is federal solutions. Immigration is a federal policy issue between the U.S. government and other countries, not Utah and other countries. We urge Utah's congressional delegation and others to lead efforts to strengthen federal laws and protect our national borders. We urge state leaders to adopt reasonable policies addressing immigrants in Utah. Second principle is law enforcement. We respect the rule of law and support law enforcement's professional judgment and discretion. Local law enforcement resources should focus on criminal activities, not civil violations of federal code. Uh, Next is families. Strong families are the foundation of successful communities. We oppose policies that unnecessarily separate families. We champion policies that support families and improve the health, education, and well-being of all Utah children. Uh, Fourth principle is economy. Utah is best served by a free market philosophy that maximizes individual freedom and opportunity. We acknowledge the economic role of immigrants play as workers and taxpayers. Utah's immigration policies must reaffirm our global reputation as a welcoming and business-friendly state. 
And uh, fifth, the free society. Immigrants are integrated into communities across Utah. We must adopt a humane approach to this reality, reflecting our unique culture, history, and spirit of inclusion. The way we treat immigrants will say more about us as a free society and less about our immigrant neighbors. Utah should always be a place that welcomes people of goodwill. That's the Utah Compact. Before I go to uh, Tim Wilbright, I want to ask you what uh, immigration reform would look like uh, in your mind. I want to turn back to... uh, um, to Amy Winder Newton. Um, so there are um, sanctuary cities, right? And, and uh, the Trump administration says they, they've threatened to pull federal uh, funds. Uh, this does seem to set up a potential conflict between federal government and local government. I wonder what your thoughts in, in, on the county level. Would you countenance the county becoming a sanctuary county? Would, uh, would you uh, countenance uh, county law enforcement uh, participating in and deportations? You know, that's a tough question because principally I believe we have laws of the land. We have the federal government who um, has certain powers that are within the Constitution. Um, But I believe in local control. And I think, you know, the federal government does not know necessarily what's best in local communities from uh, on many issues. Now, I think national security is one that the federal government does have a role. Um, I would hope that we don't get to that point where we can actually be in a place where we're having dialogue, open discussion, and being able to um, communicate what's going on in our own individual communities. So as the federal government's making decisions on national security, we have a seat at the table, and we're able to be able to communicate some of the fears and concerns and desires of people that live in Salt Lake County and in Utah. Just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, we'll give Tim Wheelwright the, the last word. Uh, in your mind, immigration reform would should Utah Compact principles guide that? What what would be the guiding principles? Well, it's interesting. I hadn't hadn't thought about the Utah Compact until I came in today, and I was part of the group when that was was implemented. I can't take any credit for you know drafting that, but certainly was involved with organizations and that had very visionary leaders that. Uh, recognize that we needed a set of organizing principles to kind of guide the discussion. That was in the context of the uh, a debate at the state level about immigration. Um, and and it, it, it had a, an incredible impact on that entire debate. It set the tone, a very productive tone. Um, so now looking at these principles, we're not having this debate at the state level. It's a debate at the federal level. And interestingly, I think those same principles still apply. Those are principles that I think our Utah congressional delegation should keep in mind, our president should keep in mind, and um, uh, anyone that's you know interested in in actually reforming uh, immigration, the immigration system should those are those are principles that that really could guide our discussion and, and debate. Um, as far as an immigration system, what if I if I could you know what what's most important in my mind is that we find balance. That, that there is a balance out there. The problem is we're the 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 the, the factions at both ends of the political spectrum are just shouting at each other and shouting past each other. We're not actually discussing. We're not. Di- there's no dialogue about what changes need to be made to find that proper balance between security, economic development, family unity, humanitarian principles, law enforcement. That, in order to find that balance, we have to have the dialogue. 
and um, uh, you know, and I guess if you get down to a more granular level, you know, one of the I think the big one of the big policy questions that we're going to be facing is what is the proper uh, percentage of uh, green cards is an example that we give out every year. Right now, we're only giving about 7% of the green cards to uh, uh, those that are here on employment-based uh, visa categories. All the rest are based on family. So 93% for family and, and other you know non-business categories versus 7%. When we talk about the economic impact, um, we probably need to have a, a, a good discussion about what is the proper balance between those two. What, where, where do we want to put our emphasis? But it's, it's such a big issue. They're so, it's so complex. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it uh, some more down, down the line, and we appreciate you joining the discussion. Keep that discussion going uh, through our email, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, and uh, we will get those comments on the air. Uh, we appreciate so much Amy Winder-Newton, the Salt Lake County Councilwoman, joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And Tim Wheelwright, shareholder with Durham Jones and Pinnegar, an Immigration Reform Task Force Chair with the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for coming Thank, in. Thank you, Tom. And uh, coming up among the programs next week, we are uh, going to uh, gather Jane Austen fans, of which I'm a rabid fan, and uh, we're going to totally geek out on, uh, on Jane Austen. That'll be a fun program coming up among the programs next week. Thanks for listening today to Access Utah. service of Utah State University's College of Humanities and Social Sciences. This is KUSR Logan, KUSUFM Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, Moab, KUST Price, KCEU, and streaming online at upr.org.